Welcome to View from the Pool. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Gary Johnson uh, to our View from the Pool podcast today. Uh, I was first introduced to Gary, I think, about three years ago. He'll probably correct that for me by uh, a, a colleague of mine, a friend of mine called David Monkhouse, who is probably the network king in the UK. He, he brings us all together and he managed to tie Gary and myself up a number of years ago. Now, the interesting thing about this conversation is Gary lives in Australia and he'll tell you exactly where once we get going. But uh, I have met him in the flesh once, not just uh, over the, the airwaves, uh, when he came to England um, about a year and a year and a half ago. So first of all, welcome, Gary. Thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, good day, Robin. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> yeah, so you're keeping well. Loving it. Well, it's summertime here, so um, yeah. easy living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did you tell me? 41, 42 degrees? <laughs> Yeah, Tuesday was 44. It was a, a killer. Uh, yeah, geez, the first hot days tough. of the summer just smash you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we, we had a bit of snow today, so th- th- there's the, the extremes for you, opposite sides of the world. But I, I do cr- hope, in a genuinely, you don't end up with the, the same sort of summer as you had last year with fires, uh, bushfires. Yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, I think I'm still too tired from that to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember trying to contact you so many times during that. Thinking, what is he doing? And what one of the uh, thing was say said to me, "Oh, well, he's he's pulling twelve hour shifts every day." <laughs> yeah, the, the fatigue mentally and physically was just something I've not felt before. And you, um, you couldn't just have a day off because uh, if you if you don't go and get on a truck, all your guys just they're the same, and now they're down a, a person. So um, yeah. yeah, it was just so hard to have a day off and and just relax. And even on my days off, I would get headaches in the afternoon that I would get on the fly ground. (laughs) My body was in sympathy. I mean, I suppose, yeah, I suppose we should clarify at this point, although we got to know each other through the the swimming pool, the lifeguard background, um, that you are actually, it's a volunteer fireman, is that what it's called in in Australia? Yeah, Yeah, we have a volunteer service in all the rural areas for fighting bushfire. Yeah. That's too pretty uh can be two pretty intense job i'm sure one's much worse than the other well given their time each will have its own i suppose but um so it'd be good that's maybe a good place to just to get you to jump in and, and tell us you know a little bit of your background actually to fill everyone in yeah so um i was born and grew up in sydney um australia's most popular city popular city and uh, then about age 22 or 23, I moved away to a, to a regional area, about five hours northwest of Sydney. And um, I was building furniture in Sydney, but I'd sort of had enough of that. So when I moved to the regional areas, I uh, went to the local pool because when I was in Sydney, I was doing some uh, beach lifeguarding on weekends, just voluntary. So I went to the mm-hmm. local pool and asked if there was any casual work going, and there was. So I... I sort of got a casual job and from there never went back to furniture making full time, just um, a bit of a career change. So got into lifeguarding and um, never went back to the city either. <laughs> it's been a, a pretty good decision for me. <laughs> Met the girl in my dreams. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny 
because my background was was woodwork. I think I said that to you before. So I was kind of in that furniture field as well. And yep. I I took the first job I could get, which was lifeguarding. This will do me for a week or two, you know. <laughs> just fell in love with it. Here here I am, forty years later, <clears throat> and still involved. So it is that's a another career. bit of synergy it's a, it's between a, us. I didn't realize. Yeah, it's, it's a good job. It's a good career. Um, so I, I worked as a lifeguard, then um, made, worked did that for about ten years, and then made the, the big step into into man, middle management, I suppose, and um, oversaw six centres. Um, and then I left there and started my own business, doing consulting and training for for lifeguarding. And that was see clearly now, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And and tell me, you you, you were involved with um, a fatality in one of your pools, weren't you? Or was that when yeah, you were lifeguarding? Was, was that you managing? Or? No, I was lifeguarding at the time. I was actually watching a pool and. Um, a funny thing that sort of set me up for a bit of a fall here was when we were doing lifeguarding on a beach, so I was a patrol captain of, of 10 um, young men and women who watched a beach, and we always had this silly, you know, you're always young and bulletproof, we had this silly saying mm, uh, um, that was, um, no one dies on our shift. We always said that. Yeah. Um, and that, that sets you up for a fall, I think, because when you're lifeguarding, what you need to realize is that it's a game of life and death and you might not save them all. And if you're not prepared for that, then you're kidding yourself. So um, a day comes where I don't see one in time and um, that results in a, we, we, we can't resuscitate the boy. He's only two and a half years old. Um, yeah. All the stuff I've learned now, I, I look back, and all the stuff I've learned about resuscitation, especially resuscitation of a drowned casualty, I'd love to go back and have another crack at that day. Um, yeah. Because you really have to persist with someone who's having an oxygen emergency. Um, yeah. So we, I, I learned a lot of lessons. It's, it's a time where you do a lot of, you know, um, looking within you and saying, how could I have missed it? How could I have missed it? How could I have missed it? And start to, and it takes years to really pull that question apart and, and learn the real lessons that day holds. Yeah. And I suppose I'm only guessing here, but when that happened to you, it was probably, would it have been just the case of, right, you're back on shift again at two o'clock the next day. You know, there wasn't the support mechanisms that you might expect nowadays. Absolutely. There wasn't, but, mm. um, I was offered time off, but I went straight back to work the next day, funnily yeah. enough. It wasn't back until years later. Yeah, I was I was yeah. presenting with a psychologist, and during the break, she asked me, what did you do? And I said, oh, I went back mm. to work the next day. And she says, do you know why we do that? And I said, no. And she said, when a, when a big event like that happens mentally for us, our whole world explodes around security and predictability and um, – what's fair in life and so what we scramble for the next day is structure we get up at our you know uh, normal time we have our cup of tea we get our uniform we do all the stuff so that we can say no the world is the way i thought it was we scramble for structure um and that's what i was doing wow. back to the next the next day um you don't even know you're doing it <laughs> flip me that, you know already you see i'm learning something from this this chat because i had no idea I didn't know that fact at all. I find that really, really interesting, and, and I'm just even reflecting on what you've what you've been talking about there. That, uh, like like you, you know, I go out and I talk to a lot of lifeguards, and and you know, you do training, and for whatever training it is, it's that bulletproof. It'll not happen to me. 
um, yeah. attitude that you see all the time. Um, you know, and I see it in my two boys as well. It's about watch when you're driving tonight. You know, it's yeah. snowing. There's three foot of snow on the ground. Yeah, I'll be all yeah, dead. You know, it's, yeah, dead. It, it, yeah. <laughs> and 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 I suppose why should lifeguards be any different? Like you, you, you know, not on my watch sort of thing. Failure is not an option. Um, yeah. all, oh, I know, all those I know types of things. I know my CPR good enough. Yeah. I'll be able to revive them. Yeah, like it's, um, CPR. The success, success rates aren't that high. Yeah. Um, so it is. It is it. It's a it's a gamble. It's a it's a lottery. Yeah, and, and, you might get them back. You might not. Well, and you might not see them. <laughs> that that you know? was it for me. I didn't see them in time. Yeah. Um, so I'd go. I've been back to that pool a couple of times now, and no one there knows me. I just walk in and say, "Can I move yeah. you to centre?" Yeah, and I walk in. I go and stand on that spot where he tried to resuscitate that boy. Um, and it, you know, still, it's, all these years later, yeah, it's still it's still an eerie spot yeah. to go and stand there. And I say to lifeguards, if you're going to take some time off work after a bad a bad day at the office, as I call it, mm-hmm. um, then by all means take some time off, but don't stay away too long because the job gets a bit too scary if you don't, like I say, get back on the horse. You'll you'll yeah. start to avoid that patch of concrete. I can tell you right now. So. Um, well, that actually leads me, and you know, I'm no digressing as you and I always do when we talk. <laughs> but that's what makes it so interesting and yeah. fun. My, my two boys are both casual lifeguards. You know, they, they're at college and uni, but they they both in our house has been very much, you know, it's part of growing up. You're going to learn to get your lifeguards exam, and that's it. You know, there's no choice. It's a bit like supporting a football team. Yeah. You have to support <laughs> Liverpool because your dad did. Um, it's a hand me down. And it's like that with lifeguarding. But I remember the first few weeks going to shift and bringing them into my office and showing them some bad shit on the computer. You yeah. know, oh, duh, for goodness sake. Just to try and hammer home to them the reality. Shit does happen sometimes, you know, and it could be today because I think that's one of the messages that always it's, it's only experience or a bad experience will teach anybody like that. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I spoke to an organ, I spoke to a lifeguard a while ago. He'd been, he was, he was looking down the barrel of being sacked from his job. Or well, that was mm. the sort of vibe we we're getting from his employer. And that was what happened in the end. But they were saying, you missed this thing. So you, there was a kid in the water, I mean, in a shallow pool, um, but apparently he was drowning. And, and, a, and a member of the public or a learn to swim teacher pulled the boy out and he sort of missed yeah. it. And they were going to sack him over this. And I was saying to them, for this first time, this kid's got real experience. He's just seen the real yeah. thing for the first. So you've got a lifeguard who's getting experience and now you're going to spear him? This is ridiculous. This is what we do to lifeguards. This is ridiculous that we expect them to see every every single time. And if they don't, we're going to crucify somebody. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, the other, so the, the other thing I was going to say before that you were sort of leading to is the reason we don't think it's going to happen is because most days it doesn't. Most lifeguards yeah. go a whole year and don't even get wet in a well-run pool because they are so yeah. safe. So yeah. we just get bored. Yeah, yeah well... Yeah, exactly. I think it's, you know, it's this whole thing about in the UK at the minute, it's lane swimming. You have to book your lane swimming. (laughs) Now, in all all the evidence that, you know, it's like booking a squash court back in the day. People are phoning in a week in advance to book their lane to get in. Um, And I, I, you know, all the evidence I look at is about that that's the danger times when it is just up and down. 
and nothing yeah. to do except watch people swim up and down. And you, you, you hinted, or you said there about that experience. One of the positive things that one of the positive examples I've got of that is when when I was a manager at a near miss, and there was cameras in the, in the building and. The poor, you know, one of the lifeguards involved was literally leaning back against the wall, half asleep. Yep. And this lady went down, epileptic fit on top of the water. Now, another member of staff who walked on the poolside pulled this person out. But the interesting reaction for me was whenever he saw what he was like, it it, it really, really rattled him. And he yeah. actually walked away from the, walked away from that career. But the interesting point of it all was he obviously stored it and used it and came back again. And now he's um, he's a fireman. He's working for the emergency services. All right. You know, so he, he got over the hump and he took that experience and used it positively. But I'm sure there's an awful lot don't. Look, and that's and something think, I'll, I'll never have to deal with is um, a, a video of my incident, my fatality, because yeah. that's, that's, that's the added complexity for lifeguards these days is most of these yeah. are going to be on video and they're there are great learning opportunities that we use from other people's fatalities, but watching your own yeah. fatality, I, I don't know how I'd Ooh. go with that. No, I don't know myself. That would mm. that would really, it's, and that's where we have to support you know, lifeguards. You know, do yeah. we show them? Do we not? Because we're all going to be talking about their video, but we yeah. haven't showed them. Is that right? I don't know what to do. Yeah. With this Maybe show them, but they get to see it once, and that's it. Or I don't know. Yeah, and I think that's I've had some instances where I've had people watch and watch and watch and watch and watch it again. You know, we've gone, "Why is she? Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. She shouldn't be doing that, etc." Um, but it, the, the interesting thing then for me, because this is something I want to kind of talk about through this the whole series of podcasts um, of us old ex lifeguards. Let's, because you haven't come. Across Across this yet, but when your kids, if they become lifeguards, how are you going to feel about that? Knowing what you know now, so what? I, what when that comes <laughs> up, I always think, where are they working? Who's going to lead them? Because that's you know, poor leadership is so hard for young lifeguards to learn under. Yeah, the bad habits. The um, yeah, it's their first workplace. So very recently, mm. I spoke to a crew. There was some really bad stuff happening in that workplace and none of the new lifeguards said anything because they just thought, oh, this is how it must be. And I said, no, it's not like that. You need to put your hand up and go, but it's hard. You know, you're 17, first job. You go and double on your boss, like bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. bulletproof scared, scared to raise your, you know, beat stand out and yeah. be different by so, <clears throat> saying things. You know, and leadership. I suppose theory. that's yeah, and a bit. I suppose that's where a bit of support from home, from you know, from your experience and mine, can make a difference. But I always like to think about the, the kids that that don't have someone like you or me at home and as you say going into that role and yeah of course you can go for sleep at the top of the flume we are hangover or whatever yeah that's what we always did sort of thing yeah uh, that, yep. that, and I, I think that's something that through this this is the sort of stuff I want to kind of tease out as we go along to help the younger lifeguard because <clears throat> you know the greatest will in the world nobody can change everything and the majority of lifeguards are good lifeguards um, but you do have the bad leadership rules and there, there will be sites that aren't as good as yeah. you know they aren't first division there's not a lot we can do about that yeah. and, and you know that kind of leads me through to I think 
excuse me, one of the first times I, I we met on on a conversation on WhatsApp or something like that, um, we, you started to talk to him about your your red zone training. Yeah, you know, and I'd never heard of that. Um, and I remember in your blog. Um, I think the first line was along the lines of, you know, if I see, if I see another person kneeling over a, a mannequin going 1001, <laughs> 1002, 1003, you'll throw up something yeah. along those lines. <clears throat> and that was, you know, that led me into a very interesting read, um, just about how, you know, you take the standard lifeguard training you know, that comes as part of, in the UK, it's the RLSS or the STA. I actually don't even know what exam bodies there are in, in Australia, but you take it up another notch, uh, yeah. and it's and it, it, it's up to each site to decide whether they want to engage with you in that. Um, and I'm guessing you're the you're the one man shop for doing that. No, it's not like it's rolled out across Australia. No, Would that we, be fair I've, to say? I've, I've tried to do that. Um, yeah, one of the one of yeah, the biggest life saving. We have the Royal Life Saving Society of Australia, similar to you, and yeah. we've <clears throat> we've tried to to roll it out with them, but it's um it's difficult. Um, you know, you need the right trainers for it. Um, mm. but it, it is good training, and it all started when. So I saw I saw some really lifelike mannequins on the internet. Mm-hmm. I think they're in your neck of the woods, actually being made in the UK. I think Lifecast, I think they're called. Um, I couldn't mm-hmm. afford them, but they, that's where I saw. Yeah. So, and I heard that, heard about the scenario training that the surgeons were doing with these mannequins and how lifelike the surgeries were. Oh, right. And that's where I went. Oh, this is really good. Um, yeah, so they were basically doing real surgeries and creating real emergencies and watching these surgeons' um, heart rates climb and all kinds of stuff they were battling with. Um, and then I went away with the volunteer fire service I'm with for a, for a weekend, and um, it was a really big turnout. And uh, you just basically rolled through a number of scenarios all weekend. Um, you you pulled up with four trucks and you met a leader and he said, down the hill, here's what you're going to see and this is what you're going to happen. So you had some time to plan. And then you rolled through that scenario and, and learned what you learned. Um, and it was very real. Um, that's when we need to do something at least for lifeguards where we can get out of the normal training and actually – uh, put them in their fight or flight zone because that's yep. a really different place to work. Um, what I had to learn through the volunteer fire service is that I really struggle with this role to fight fires calmly, um, and I, you know, to do some real. <laughs> why can't I do this job like I thought I'd be able to? But yeah. the, the message I give to lifeguards is: when you're actually doing CPR and your and your hands are shaking uncontrollably, that's not because you're a bad lifeguard. That's because you're a human in your flight mm-hmm. or fight zone. And having to deal with a whole heap of internal um, changes now that mean you can't operate the way you could in the training room. And so we beat ourselves up after the event saying, I'm no good, I'm not, I can't do this job. Mm. No, you can. You need to learn what it's like to work in your flight or fight zone. So you can come up with strategies that help you continue to do your role. So I presume that's obviously the adrenaline pumping and, and, and heart yeah, rate rising. Yeah, there's three big... And different we, blood flows and pressures. And yep. There's, there's lots of hormones our body in, injects into our bloodstream. The three big ones are one's adrenaline and uh, two, I, I, one I'm not even going to attempt yeah. to say it's a great big long word, but yeah, yeah. They, 
A couple of things. So they, they do increase our heart rate, um, our blood pressure. They control our blood sugar level. They control access to memories that are important memories. So what you are being geared for is oh. maximum performance. That's what you are being geared for. Um, and you just need to know how to control that so you can actually utilize it. Because we don't want lifeguards to fight or run uh, during a CPR incident. So I didn't even realise about that, let's call it memory loss, if you want to call it that. So is that like your brain just focusing you in on the survival mode rather than, you know, is yeah. it a self-preservation thing rather than I better help this guy? It's a, yeah, it's about surviving. It's about what memories will help me survive. You know, go back to to the caveman. Uh, your mm. brain did this quick risk assessment of, it looks at this risk in front of you and says, is this risk so big? Is this hazard so big it's going to eat me? Yeah. If the decision is yes, well, I'm going to run and that helped me survive. But if you go, actually, it's not that big. Could I eat this thing? Yeah, I reckon I could yeah. eat it. So let's fight. They were the two right. decisions that have, that through evolution, have allowed us to survive yeah. to either fight or to run, neither of which are good for, um, for CPR. Um, yeah. But it does give you this clarity of mind where I, I've often heard lifeguards say, I'm not sure I'm going to remember my CPR or I'm not going to remember everything in the moment. And suddenly they're finishing a CPR case going, wow, I remembered all that stuff. Yes, yeah. because your, your mind has given you access to memory now that you didn't even know you had. You are really are geared for maximum performance. That's what you're, you're geared for in your fight or flight mode. Yeah, I think... What excuse me? What appealed to me whenever I first read this because I remembered uh, I did one of the first pool lifeguards exams in in Northern Ireland. You know, as in when when it first came in, I was around for the first tranche of us moving from the old RLSS bronze medallion into what has now become the NPLQ. You know, the standard. Uh, yep pull lifeguard qualification so and, and I just remember uh, th- there was a change because it was also very much related to the pool but the one that the bit of the exam that always kind of stuck with me was this situation you had to do and you're standing there you know yeah. in your trunk stripping wet and they say right we've got so and so over here and they're doing such and such um, we've got so and so here and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah and right let it unfold and you're going this is nothing like (laughs) what is probably going to happen or ever going to happen that's why when i read what you'd written i went you know what that is that's what we should be doing everywhere so so the thing that um because people ask me i had a manager come one day he was on holidays we came in to watch the session with his lifeguards and we had um them down on the deck i've got a full-size child mannequin and they're get the oxygen out and they're doing everything and one of the lifeguards her hands are shaking like a leaf and afterwards he said to me i didn't think you'd be able to achieve that um but you did and i went yeah and so i started to pull apart why why does it work why do we why do i get the lifeguards so nervous and right into their flight or fight zone and a few things it's um they don't know me so they're not familiar with me that's one thing um, they, I tell them right at the start, it's going to be really high-end scenario training. So the anticipation is what really works. So if you look at Alfred Hitchcock, he says there's, he says something like there's, there's no fear in the bane. 
it's all in the anticipation of, of a Hitchcock scene. That's so, so true. That's yep. what, so before we even go out on deck, these I would love to put heart rate monitors on these lifeguards because their hearts yeah. are already through the roof when we – because the thing they're worried about is, I don't know my stuff well enough. Shit, what's going to happen out there? You know, I don't know my stuff well enough. Um, so they're already in this state of mind that you – you're getting them to operate in in that zone. It's it's interesting. Well, maybe that's a good good point to add. You know, where do you, where do you start? So let's say I, I give you a call and say, uh, Gary, I'm interested in doing some of this red zone training with you. You come to site. Can you talk us through? Sort of. I don't want all your trade secrets, but you know, give give us a flavour of what you do. You know, and well, you've already I'll give alluded you the, to I'll that. Give me the trade secrets. The trade secrets are great because you can do this stuff. So, um, yeah. so it's a three. Usually, from it's a three hour session. And okay. I spend um, about an hour and a half going through what it, what is flight and what is fight and flight. How did how did we get it? Why is it useful for a still? <laughs> Building up the so, fear. <laughs> well, no, just understanding what those changes are yeah, in your yeah. body, um, yeah, yeah. so that you go, oh, okay, when I get there, I know what this is. Because um, okay, I still yeah. do it myself on a firegram. When I get there and I'm and I'm fumbling and I'm dropping stuff, I've got to go stop. I know what this is and I know how to manage it better. Um, so I talk about the changes. So, yep, some time on, on what is going to happen. And then I give them some, not their specific procedure, but what are the mm-hmm. things we're looking for out there generally? What are the things we want to see generally go? How do you want the, the, the recipe to unfold out there? So they've got some tools to lean on. And then the last um, hour is out there doing a couple of scenarios with the mannequin. And that's, so I go and find a good spot in the pool where the mannequin isn't too hard to find, but is going to be a little challenging. And we go and tell all the patrons that we're doing this so that they know not to interfere with the mannequin and not to even okay. look in the direction of the mannequin. Um, yep. So the, the, I set up a little lifeguard team of three or four. They go and set up their shift the way they normally would, so where their equipment is, what they wear, um, yep. and we lock them in a first aid room, and then we set up right. the mannequin, <laughs> and then uh, I basically let them out of the first aid room, and I let them off the chain, so to speak, and they usually walk quite quickly, and I'm usually walking quite quickly behind them with a clipboard, taking mm-hmm. notes, and with a stopwatch, just yeah. all looks, it just pours more pressure onto the poor buggers. Yeah. Um, and Did you tell me you made them run around the car park? Oh yes, so they, yeah, that's that. Yeah, we've yeah, a lap around the car park before they come into the centre. Yeah, if I, if I don't think their heart rate's high enough, because these Brilliant. are all things. When you're doing CPR, your heart rate is going to be two hundred. Yeah. You are going to be sweating. You're going to be puffing, um, and unlike other uh, emergency services, like take the fire service when. I get a, when if the, if my phone rings right and says hit, you know go it's all happening, I get my gear on, I drive down the shed, then we all get in a truck and we discuss what we know so far. Yeah. So the radio says it's a motor vehicle accident, and we go oh okay, so this is what we'll do when we get there. This we sort of plan, but with the lifeguards, when it happens, it happens right now in front of you, and there is no mental preparation time. Like that's the yeah. we're the only trade that doesn't have the luxury. Yeah. The am, the ambulance they're on their way. They're thinking about. It, they're putting their gloves on. They're getting yeah. getting a plan. They're they've all got mental preparation time. The police as well. Not a pool off guard. No mental preparation time. It's happening right now in front of you, and you have to do something. Yeah, I, I must I admit. Of, no, go ahead. One of the things I want lifeguards to realise is that 
um, they're going to make mistakes and lots of mistakes because they do training, they do it perfectly. Then their first incident, they make all these mistakes and they beat themselves up again. Well, every fire I go to, mistakes are made. That that's the nature of being human and making decisions under pressure. There were things you would yeah. do differently. There were things you would do better. Mistakes are the world of a, a first responder. Because what you've just said, I have actually stolen everything you've said so far and got some <laughs> on a single slide that I use because I use you. I, you know, I always talk about Gary in Australia, my friend Gary in Australia. And you know, say he can be sitting in his office and his bipper goes off and he goes, okay. I've got to go to a fire, but that's all he knows. He jumps in, he gets to the station, and they say, you're going to a house fire, it's out in such and such a part of the town. You're getting your gear on, and then you're in the truck and you're going, and you're getting told it's a three-story building. We've got two trapped on the second floor and one in the attic. You know, And I said, by the time he gets there, he's so prepared and well-armed. Yeah. I said... And I used your line, I think you said, I think it's another one I stole off you as well. You know, when the brown stuff hits the whirly thing. <laughs> no, that's, that's not mine. <laughs> Is that not yours? <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's maybe be, me being polite for a change. So whenever that happens and you're a lifeguard, it's this whole thing. And I've seen it on videos myself. Is this for real? Is this really happening? And that's why I love the whole Sully analogy that I love talking about, you know, whenever the birds strike and they land on on the river um, and everything is done by the book whenever they... they do it again after the event, and then Sully said, "Let's make this real. Yes. Let's get the. Yes. You've forgotten about the human factor here. Yes, you know, yes. whenever those birds hit us, we didn't know what happened. You no. know, it was the first time in history. Bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. We'd never done that in training, and it was this whole thing about give us forty-five seconds to. to is this really happening? What, you know, a man. So lifeguards are yeah. no different in that. No. They doubt themselves. You know, I've seen it yep. happen. Yeah, yeah, that woman's probably all right. She's yep. just messing instead of kid's playing. dealing with it. So, so yeah, that's. I just I thought I'd better give you credit for me nicking that slide because I'm sure there'll be a few people listen to that and this and go, oh yeah, that's where he got it from. <laughs> no, look, so, there, are, there aren't no trade secrets. The more we can yeah, talk and spread the stuff and get it right, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Um, I use quite a number of you, but so if if we take that further. So you, you've got that. Um, let's say you've got their heart rate up. You've got them back on the poolside. They've run. They've run around their their lap, and yep. you're selling with your clipboard. What's what's next? So the the longer it takes them to find the mannequin, the the more panicky they get. <laughs> okay, so that that's. Awesome. I said this. This is the really unrealistic part um, because when they can't find the mannequin. There's only been once I've ever actually had to stop the scenario and point the mannequin out because the lifeguard was in such a pickle now, and it wasn't a big facility. Yeah, He couldn't find the mannequin. He was just running around like a chook with his head off now and knowing that everyone else knew, and he couldn't see it. And and this was a really good example of how hard this is. But, yeah, it's not realistic because when we're actually lifeguarding, we're not doing um, detection from our red zone. We're not in flight or fight usually when we're looking at a pool or in, in a much calmer mm-hmm. state of mind. So I, I explained to them, you know, that that was a bit unfair to do that, but there's not another way to do it really. So um, once they detect the mannequin, they've got to, you know, I want to see them raise the alarm before they go in. And that's and mm-hmm. on, on, during the real incident, this is something we don't see. We don't see lifeguards raise the alarm first. They're just yep. going in Notice because that. now... 
this is the thing they're signed up for. Lifeguards are, you know, they're sheepdogs. They're, they're guardians. When they see someone in trouble, they want to go straight yep. in and save that life. They're lifesavers. Yep. You know, it's what they want to do. So they, they forget to raise the alarm. So I want to see them raise the alarm, um, go in, get that person's airway above the water. No matter what happens, no matter, you know, in Australia it's all about – Getting them out on, you know, we, we get them out on the pool and start CPR on the pool deck. There is no in water. We don't teach in water breathing at the moment. It's just get them out yep. and start CPR. Yeah. But I, I want Thanks. I want to see them in a pool where no help comes and you can't get the person out of the pool. What are you mm-hmm. going to do then? You have to do something. You have to get their airway above the water and you have to start blowing in their mouth. Or, I mean, imagine this is all on video and you stand there doing nothing. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. You've got to do yeah. something. So anyway, they they get the mannequin out and. Um, and I watch them probably for their first time try and do CPR completely wet down to their shoes. Yep. You know, they they've just never had to deal with this before. Yep. So, and then it's not long before I'm telling them, um, it, yeah, it's not. So I know in the US they want lifeguards to get their gloves on very quickly, um, and and the, and some of the drills are good and they get quite professional at this. But what I tell lifeguards in Australia is, I don't want to see you prioritising gloves over this kid's life. But at some yeah. stage, I do want us to look professional and I do want us to get our gloves on. So when the times are right, you get them on. Trying to get gloves on when you're wet and getting your yeah. gloves out of your wet bum bag. Uh, do you call them yeah. a bum bag? You call them a bum bag? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just yes. So you just never, strap it on your back. Yeah, yeah. They've never done it, and it's just about impossible. And they're shaking like a leaf. So there's all these things that we can little 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 parts of this thing we can practice, like putting gloves on when your hands are wet, hmm. um, and realizing that they're too big or they're too small or. Yeah, there's all these little parts I've just color. never done. Well, these days, do you, you guys wear, what color are the gloves most people wear? Oh, for goodness sake, there's the blues well, and purples and all yeah, sorts so, of colors, isn't there? So, go, remember, Robin, go back to the start of our careers, and if you put gloves on to touch someone, they'll, they'll be like, hang on, I don't have AIDS. What are you doing? Take the gloves off. But these days, gloves mean something completely different because I, mean, I keep gloves in the door of my car. So, if I get to a car accident, I'll put blue gloves on, and everyone assume straight away i know what i'm talking about so i can it's actually like tell a people, yellow jacket isn't it yes yes i tell lifeguards put your gloves on because people go oh this person knows what they're talking about gives them confidence straight away even though you're thinking oh, i got no idea what i'm doing here put your blue gloves on and calm the crowd down yeah he, he's he's not he's not the chef that's just come running out and he's allergic <laughs> to fish so he's wearing them <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah um, it, it, it's an interesting point so right so you i like what you said there because people would go god i've got to get my gloves on gary says i've got to get my gloves on but you're yeah. saying yeah you want to get your gloves on but that kid's lying there get some air yeah. into him yeah um, you know, if, if, it's, if you're in a bad, I don't know, in my neck of the woods, I'm not too worried about catching something from yeah, yeah. a kid um, or a person. Sure, there'll, that's always the question about that, that, that aspect of catching things. We have no, yeah. we have no evidence uh, that, that first responders catch things, but it's still good yeah. practice to wear gloves and use masks. And I always use the analogy of if I'm down the street doing my shopping and I see a really, you know, gross-looking homeless person who obviously needs CPR, I'm probably just going to ring emergency services and do chest compressions. Yeah. But if it's yeah. somewhere respectable and I think, nah, this is all good, I'm just going to do mouth-to-mouth. Yeah. Like I'm, it's a personal yeah. call. 
you might yep. best call something. Like yeah, there's no right and wrong in that. Sure, there isn't. Well, there's not, but there's certainly there's a fear of mouth to mouth these days. Like for me, there's yeah. not. If if is it yucky? Yeah, it's yucky. Is it confronting? Yeah, yeah. it's all those things. But yeah. especially for a drowning case, we need to start getting some oxygen to that person pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I've been whether you call it fortunate enough to, to have done CPR in real life. For me, it just everything kicked in. Um, but it was, I didn't even think about not doing CPR or doing mouth-to-mouth. But I think this was pre-AIDS, which is really where it all kicked off, wasn't it? Yeah. In the mid-80s where yeah. gloves and, you know, yeah. everybody was carrying barrier masks and all sorts of stuff and by the time I'd left my life garden I was one of the I would never use one of those things you yeah. know that was my attitude yeah. old school you know which isn't right obviously well, can we just but talk it, about pocket uh, masks for a second yeah please do because one of the things that people don't realize is especially in Australia that we we along we've been teaching people how to use pocket masks wrong in Australia if you go back mm-hmm. to the to YouTube and look at the videos that Liddell put out for their pocket masks no mm-hmm. one does CPR from the side of a casualty with a pocket mask. It's always from the head end. They sort of sit yep. at the mm-hmm. head. Yeah. So that's that's the only way Liddell have ever shown to use a pocket mask, and that's the only mm-hmm. way you can get a, a proper airway opening. Yeah. But if you go and watch our lifeguards, they'll all get their pocket mask out and they'll start doing CPR from the side. And they're pushing this mask down onto a face trying to seal it, and that is closing mm-hmm. the airway. So that was – and the other thing that we don't realize about pocket masks is a lot of them have a little paper filter up in the, in the mm-hmm. throat of the damn thing. Once that is wet, you can't blow through it. It's like waterboarding somebody. Yes. It's what it's like. <laughs> So yep. if, yeah, at least yep. we, we don't test these things. We just take them as gospel. And, well, we, and that- I'll tell you a very quick side issue again, side story again. Whenever whenever I was at the age where the pocket mask came in, I was just leaving my lifeguard and going into lower management. So, you know, that was none of my concern. I was above all that. You know, I had my tie to make sure it was straight. But but interestingly, right, I did, uh, Dee and I, we've been doing some first aid at sea and sea yep. survival courses, uh, you know, getting to pull the, the life raft and it <laughs> opens up in all sorts yep. of cases. But that was the first, we were trained by um, a paramedic and a lifeboat man. And that was the first time I'd ever actually used one of the, the, is it the Lydral face masks. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and that's what he, t- he obviously taught us, that you've got to kneel by the head, the top of the head. And it was really interesting because a lot of people, as you said, had either been just assumed you did it from the side, where I, I was stupid. I, I was ignorant in that I didn't know what was the right or the wrong way to do it. But it's really interesting you just saying that now because I didn't realize that actually what you've just said that a lot of people would do it incorrectly yeah, we, we can do a whole conversation on this um which might we might do another time but um we how might I just do that across, yeah how i stumbled across this this um I've, I've made a note yeah it's a it's an interesting little story yeah yeah it's uh, yeah absolutely so okay let's say that you know you've got that they've they've now found the victim yeah okay so once i, I, I kind of like the next bit I'll let him go for a couple of minutes on their own and then we allow the second um, lifeguard to come out of the first aid room, do their lap of the car park and run over and and 
decide what what are they going to do um let them start to make decisions because we never let them make decisions um and then yeah the second lifeguard gets there and usually decides that uh we need some oxygen so um they'll they'll go and get that wherever that is and bring it back and then start to put that together if it's not already set up um mm-hmm. and start to use it and then eventually a third lifeguard arrives um and we, we just see whether they can rotate through the roles, whether they can communicate, whether they're getting things right. And by this stage, there's a, the, the crowd likes to come and watch. So the people are crowding around, looking, watching. And so there's this real pressure to perform in front of your peers and your customers. Um, the, the customers are fine. They don't really see in many of the mistakes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, most of the most of the lifeguard teams I've seen, I I think there's only one ever where I've gone, that was just a mess. What what the hell was that? Yeah. And let's learn from it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a really important part is is after all, talking about all the little mistakes that we saw, all the things we could do better, but they're not always mistakes, um, then saying that this is the point of training is to is to make errors. You want to make as many errors as you can. If if we go out there and have a golden run, we're going to learn nothing. You'll learn nothing yeah, today if you yeah. don't start making mistakes um, and realizing you are human, that we're going to make a mistake and then you're going to correct it. That's what that's, that's the part I really want to see. I want to see lifeguards make mistakes and then correct it. And it might, they might make the same mistake four times before they correct it, but they'll once they come off the boil, they start to calm down a bit. They'll actually start to self-correct, and that's really that's that the learning process is happening right there. Yeah, it's like I mean, I was of the era when man landed in the moon. Still friends who tell me it's a conspiracy theory, and they didn't. But you know, I was six <laughs> years of age when we landed in the moon. But I sort of read all the stuff. But the the one thing that always stuck with me was that these guys trained for two years in the lunar module to land on the moon and crashed and died more times than anybody ever existed because that's what the trainers put them through. Every single scenario they could think of that would go wrong, they put them through it so that when it came to the real thing, that they were able to handle it. And it was like, water off a duck's back? Yeah, that's only a... When lifeguards arrive, we don't do that with lifeguards. No, we don't. They they arrive for these sessions and they and they they hate. They walk in the room and they're hating what they're about to do. They don't want to do it. They're fearful of what they're about to do. But when they finish, they are puffing and blowing, saying, "Oh, Gary, we should we should do that monthly. We should do that more often." Going, yeah, "Yeah, because this is the part of the job you actually. This is why you signed up for this job. This is what attracts you to it. And you you will work well under pressure if you learn to." And yeah, they start. They love that kind of training once they get there, because it's you know, better it's than an like Xbox, it's, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you will so, get good at it. Because uh, didn't you say to me? There's a couple of things you introduce. I think did you say fairy oh, liquid or whatever you guys yeah, call yeah, it in, yeah, in yeah. Australia? Yeah. So you, you uh, dribble some, a little bit of that onto the body. Fairy liquid. Fairy liquid. That's a yeah. great name for it, isn't it? I've still got to use yeah, these well, terms. So that you're, <laughs> I've got to use these terms so that your crowd knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, a bit of fairy liquid. Yeah. I inject. I've got um, a clear line. What up do you call American's. it? Detergent. Um, oh, detergent. Okay. Right. Um, oh, yeah, there's a couple of brand names we'd use, but yeah, but, yeah, dishwashing liquid. I inject yeah, my green fairy liquid. Fairy liquid. I inject a bit of fairy liquid into the mannequin up to a clear tube. <laughs> 
And then I get a little bike pump and I pump air through there so that suddenly all yeah. this foam starts coming out of the mannequin's yeah. mouth, which is um, can be fairly typical Brilliant. of a drowned casualty. Yeah. Um, so they have to deal with this visual thing to start with, but also yeah. that it's slippery and it's slimy. Yeah. And uh, yep. then makes everything worse because trying to pinch a nose or pull a jaw when it's slippery and slimy is yep. just getting harder. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we do that for a while. And then at some stage, um, I've got a great can of uh, sausages and eggs. So I'll just sorry, sausage and vegetables. Brilliant. Yeah. Crack it Love open. That. Crack it open. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a pair of gloves on myself. Big handful of that straight on the face of the mannequin. And lots of times they'll just sit there and look at it and go, yeah. What, what, what is that? What? What? It, yeah, it doesn't. If you were hungry, it might smell okay, <laughs> but yeah. it looks like something else that so doesn't smell so good. So I, I want to see yeah. them actually roll a mannequin and and clear the airway and yep. get get that yep. piece of carrot out of the guy's mouth because you're only yeah. blowing that down his yeah. airway. Um, you know, yeah. when the whole thing's over, I can take the plastic lung out and we can see if there's yeah. any food matter in there. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, Brilliant. You know, the real stuff that they they don't get to deal with that's really confronting. And, and tell me, on the final, how long do you let them carry on with CPR? For example, you know, do you have a time where you say, right, I'm just going to keep them pumping away at this guy or this this mannequin? Uh, yeah, they usually go for about t- minimum twenty minutes, but I've pushed some out to half yeah. hour. Um, yeah, and the longer it's bloody you go, sore. It, it is the longer they go, the more organised they get. So it gets to a point where. Yeah. And you've it's got, no you've got point to, carrying on. Well, you've got to get them to that point because that's where they get their confidence. They go, oh, we yeah. can do this. We are bloody good at this. Look how we yeah. are switching operators now. And yeah. This is just all singing and dancing now. So you want to get them there. And talking to each other, communicating. Yeah. The talk right. starts. I'm ready to go in three, two, one, yeah. boom. The talk starts yeah. because there's no talk in the beginning um, because they're just too, too in their own little world of horror. But they start to talk yeah. and, yeah, it gets – Get so 20 to 30 minutes, yep. Whenever I do training and stuff, I'd love to be able to do things like that, you know. But I, I, you know, one of the things I hope comes from our conversations is that somebody goes, You know what, I'd like to try a bit of that. Yeah. And, and throw it at my lifeguards because, uh, again, you know my background and what I get to see. There's always this, as you say, they get they get the the victim from the water, um, and if they've hit the alarm, people will come to poolside, and it's like there's 30 seconds of everybody looking at this person. It's like, <laughs> what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? It's nearly. You wait for that leader to go, bang, this is what we're going to do. And somebody always comes and takes control, or one of the group always takes control. But, it, again, it's this disbelief to start with. Yeah, You've got somebody out here, what's the, happening next? With the leader, once someone I find someone becomes the leader and I want to see them, usually they've got a two-way radio <laughs> talking to someone in an office at the foyer organizing the, the uh, emergency services, I yeah. get someone with an, uh, during the scenario training, I get someone with another two-way radio to go into another room and I've given them a list of questions. And all I want them to do is harass uh-huh. the leader on the two-way with this information right. that they're trying to get for emergency services. So suddenly the leader's attention is split between two places and this is a really hard thing to do. It sounds simple and it is simple, but it, it is a yep. really hard thing to do is to be directing a team and trying to give triple zero some information that they, you know, they triple zero. What do you guys have? Triple 
triple one. Nine, 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 yeah. Or no, no, one, no. Yeah, nine, 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 nine. Yeah. yeah, so they're going through a list of questions and they want answers. And this, this, you know, they ask the, the operator at, at triple nine asks the pill at the front foyer. The front foyer does by radio to the, to the lifeguard team and it yeah. gets really messy and really complicated and it's hard for the leader to do both. Yeah, it's like your your newscaster who's got the the, the producer up in, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in the air in the gods talking to them, and they're talking. I'm talking to Gary in the TV, and the producer's saying something in my ear. Yeah. that's that's a that's a whole different ball game, a different skill, isn't it? So the other thing I want to so my mannequin, I've got him in. Um, I've got him in goggles. I've got him in a t-shirt and mm. a set of shorts. Um, I put the goggles on him. This was an accident one day. I put goggles on him, make him look more real. And then I watched yep. a lifeguard with a pocket mask try and get a seal over the top of goggles. And so th- right. this, so this Just, happened. Once I saw it happen, I went, oh, how good is this? this? I put the goggles yeah. on every time. And every, I think oh, I don't know, I think probably one or two lifeguards ever who have taken the goggles off first. They, they all try yeah. and get a seal over goggles. And I needed to realize no one's ever told us to take the goggles off. No one's ever told us that, yeah. but you need to because guess what? Your pocket mask won't seal. It makes perfect sense. We're Doesn't all sitting work. talking about it, but when oh, you're in the red zone, is, yeah. you don't recognize it. Yeah. Um, and that's what red zone training's all yeah. about, obviously. The other thing I want to see lifeguards do is actually, and I go through a lot of T-shirts, so, uh, I want to see them get, <laughs> get the trauma shears out of their AED yeah. and actually cut a shirt off because they never practiced it. So what lots of them will do is just grab a big handful of T-shirt and and gather it up and into what I call a rope, and then try and yeah. cut the rope with the trauma shoes, which yeah. doesn't work. Yes. And um, yeah. even I had to learn um, cutting a shirt straight up the middle is great, but you need to interrupt compressions or wait for that break when the breaths are going in, and and yeah. you don't get enough time to cut the shirt. So what we came up with was the better idea was cut the shirt up the side and then across yeah. the arm, and then open the whole thing up like a flap. So I can do all yep. my cutting with introduce with interrupting the, the compressions, and still get the same. Um, and then I want to see: Do you guys have something in your kit to dry the chest? Because this bloke's wet, yeah. and to dry the chest before we put the AED on. So AED, yeah. And and because if it's um if you've got paper towel in there, it doesn't last very long, but it just turns into putty. You know, a handful yeah. of putty. Um, so yeah, just testing all the things. We don't want to be in a coroner's court and the coroner saying. The video clearly shows that your um, trauma shoes aren't working. Uh, yeah, you're yeah. there. They're the, well, we bought a five dollar set because they were cheaper, and we've actually yeah. never used them. So you've yeah. never checked they've worked? No, we've never yeah. checked. But you're a professional lifeguard. <laughs> yeah, I am, Your Honor. Yes, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. You know. Yeah, yeah. they're rusted together. <laughs> yes, the five dollar set rusted together. <laughs> yes. We can. We should do. A, we can make a really funny video on this one day. We could just do a video you of everything can, goes we wrong. Could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be better than Monty Python. It would be. <laughs> but yeah, but it, isn't it amazing just the, us talking through it? You know, all these scenarios that probably a lot of people haven't even talked about because, as you say, it's uh, I've done my, my two minutes of CPR, yep, and uh, the wee lights have come on, so I've got my compressions. There you go, wear your badge. And so I think, Robin, it's like people um, listen to this podcast and you can. Well, we've never done that, but they've got to realize that yeah. you, know, you and I got 30, 30 years in experience and we've yeah. never done it. 
Like no one's ever told no, us. Exactly. So we, yeah. <laughs> we've got to start from scratch and go, what haven't they told us? Let's get in. Um, someone, I was at the centre a while ago and they'd put their, they'd put something, maybe their pocket masks in their, in their bum bags. That's one of the things I want to see. Can you get, Yeah. but they, I don't know, they'd, they'd taken their zippers off their bum bags or something. There was some reason they'd done something. And I said, do you know what works? And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, if you jumped in the pool and got it all wet, and see if it works. No, we haven't. Mm. Well, test it. Test everything. Everything yeah. we do, test it. Test it, test it. So you can go, yeah, no, nah, you're on a, we, we do know that works because it didn't work on this day, of course, in the video, but we, yeah. we've done it in training and it works. This is the quickest way. Um, yeah. If if you think about it, if it's, you're a lifeguard with a, a drowned casually in the deep end and the coroner's saying, why did you swim your casually all the way down the shallow end to get him out of the pool? And you can say, Oh, because we've tested uh-huh. in training, and that's the quickest way you're on it. Rather than trying to get him out the yeah. deep end with three people, it's easy to swim down here. It only takes 40 yeah. seconds instead of 50. Yeah. Little things. There's, there's a whole pile of stories I can tell you about that, about staff being cleared because that was the way they were trained. You know, yeah. why did you swim? Why did you tow the casualty 25 metres? Because that's what we always do in training. Yeah. Why did you not just lift them out and start CPR there? Because that's how we were trained. Yeah. So the training was wrong. But it's, it's, you know, it's interesting for me, a lot of this stuff, just even talking to you, I think I'd said to you, I did meet my, my Yacht Masters years and years ago when I was 18, 19, young and bulletproof and all the rest of it. And, and now I'm going through it again. <clears throat> I was supposed to do exams last March, but the COVID closed us down. Yep. But so I've been doing a lot of um, courses and a lot of studying and things. And a lot of it is exactly what you've just talked about, man overboard drills. And about some of the simple things. Yeah, okay, I can get my boat around. I can get back to that person. Now, that's a tough ask in its first thing. But the next thing is, well, how are you going to get them out? What? Oh, how are you going to get them out? Yeah. You know, and the difference from me being an 18, 19-year-old young buck, yeah, I can just flip and yank them out. You know, I was younger didn't have as big boats as you have now you know i was sailing maybe a 30 footer where you could actually reach down and touch the water now i'm sailing 50 footers where you can hang over the edge and not touch <laughs> the water how do i get somebody out of the water so it's all these little things about you know it's about the practice and the repetition and finding out the weaknesses before the brown stuff hits the whirly thing and your boat's going down and you're jumping in your life raft so the lifeguards are of for as you say and, and we always say you know this you can train all your life for something that might never happen. Yeah. But you might be the unlucky sod first day in work, bang. Yeah. You know, and it's how, how we help people. Getting, getting us getting people out of a pool is something we just don't do often enough, to my liking. Um, the other thing I see lifeguards struggle with during red zone training with a mannequin is if the mannequin's in the middle of the pool with the lane ropes in, they go, do I drag the casually over the lane ropes or do I take their head underwater and go under the ropes? And I go, I don't know. Yeah. What do you usually do? Well, we've never done it. Well, you need to start thinking about yeah. it because it's probably going to be yeah. the case. Because <laughs> it, it, it seems really counterintuitive yeah. to push a casually under the lane rope, but it's probably easier yeah. than trying to get them over the goddamn thing too. So yeah. Yeah. you have to figure yeah. out it's, that. It's, it's the lesser of the two evils, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. again, we've sat and talked about it. Whereas if a lifeguard is bang in a pool and all of a sudden had never looked at that, never trained it, they go, what's right, what's wrong? And could just go into a little, a little panic about it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that's what I love about the red zone. 
Yeah. Look, uh, one of the things I heard said about the pandemic um, just recently was if we don't learn from history, we are bound to make the same mistakes. And it's the same yeah. thing with lifeguarding. If we don't have these conversations, Robin, about what we've learned over the yeah. last period of time, we're going to keep making the same mistakes. Well, as my father-in-law said to me for different reasons in my life, if you don't change your behaviour, you won't change the outcome. Yep. Well, Gary, that's us, would you believe, almost an hour talking. We didn't love quite this. stick I love to the script that we didn't have. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's brilliant. You know, we'll definitely do this again. Yeah. You know, should yeah. nobody ever listen to this? I, you know, I, I've got a lot out of this. You know, I don't, I don't care about anybody else. I always enjoy talking to you. I think we've yeah. got... Um, you know, we bounce bounce a fair bit around, and as the wonders of technology that you're sitting you know, the other side of the world, how many yeah. thousand miles away? Okay, you're up very early, and it's later on in the day for myself, but we can still take time out and 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 have a chat about this. So, yeah, thank you very much, Gary. No problem it's, at all. Um, really good to see you again, and and I hope we catch up soon, and I hope I actually get to see you in the flesh. Yeah. Once we're allowed to travel to the Southern Hemisphere. I know. I can't wait for yeah. some normality. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Talk to you soon anyway. Thanks, mate. Thanks again. See ya. Bye. Cheers, Cheers Gary.